Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday. What day is today? Such a confusing week. December 27th, 2023. A belated Merry Christmas and early Happy New Year's to everyone. Larry Johnson is with us on this. Is the Israeli military superiority just a myth? But first this. Judge Napolitano here. I love being a spokesperson for causes that I believe in, and one of them is the soundness of money. We don't have that anymore. The markets are casinos. The Fed is printing cash like it's going out of style. What is the government doing to my money? What is it doing to your money? Over $34 trillion in government debt, and that number goes up with every tick of the clock. The cost of living is unsustainable, and the cost of everything from eggs to bread is going through the roof no matter what the White House tells you. You can no longer trust the government or Wall Street or the bank. So how do you save now and for the future? Do what I did. Do your research. When I did my research, it led me to gold and silver, and that led me to Lear Capital, the leader in gold and silver since 1997. I know the folks at Lear. I work with the folks at Lear. I trust the folks at Lear. How do you reach them? 800-511-4620 or learjudgenap.com. You'll have a very very nice conversation with a very knowledgeable person. There's no high pressure. They will send you literature that you can share with your spouse, and then you'll decide what to do. You might even qualify for $15,000 in bonus gold. Lear has been the leader in this area of investing for the past 25 years. 800-511-4620. And don't forget to ask about a gold IRA. Find out how diversifying your portfolio from stocks and bonds into gold and silver can give you peace of mind, the peace of mind you deserve. 800-511-4620, learjudgenap.com. And when you speak to these good folks, tell them the judge sent you. Larry Johnson, it's a pleasure, my dear friend. Welcome here. A belated Merry Christmas and early Happy New Year to yours to you and your family. Thank you, Josh. Um, of course. Um, is there a myth of superiority about the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, or stated differently? Is there some structural differences between that military and, say, more conventional militaries? that you can explain to us. Yeah, Israel's lived off a legacy of some past uh, exceptional performances, let's call it. I mean, uh, they were caught with their pants down uh, in, uh, in like 67, 73, but they recovered very quickly. 
uh, and uh, won a victory, especially in 73. Uh, then the raid in Entebbe, where they rescued hostages. That was considered, you know, very remarkable. So Israel gets this reputation for being, oh boy, the most exceptional military uh, in the Middle East. But then you start looking at the facts. Uh, it is a reserve force. That means the reservists, they will get, uh, you know, go through some basic training. Um, and then periodically throughout the year, you show up on, on weekends to get trained. And there may be a two or three week period where you do some additional training. But what caught my attention the other day was I was looking at a casualty list. There were nine uh, Israeli soldiers that were killed. Um, all but one who was 28 years old, everybody else was under the age of 23. And you said, well, you know, that, that's what you'd expect, young guys, except they all carried the rank of either staff sergeant or master sergeant. Now, a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army is a guy who's about 26, 28 years old. They've been in for a while. They're seasoned veterans. They know how things work. They've, you know, they, they've come up through the ranks. Uh, to have a 19-year-old as a staff sergeant is immediately an indication of what's wrong with the Israeli uh, army. Because <clears throat> the only way a kid who's 19 gets to be called staff sergeant um, is because he's politically connected, wired in some way. They give him the title. But he does not have the experience or background because the, these staff sergeants, master sergeants, the, they're really... Uh, they're, they're like officers, non-commissioned officers. They're supposed to be leaders and to have experience. I, I don't care who you are when you're 19. You, you don't have experience. Well, so are these people being promoted too quickly or given yes. titles and authority that are not justified by their lack of experience? Is that the, yeah. is that the, the essence of your um, uh, criticism? Well, yes. And, 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 and look at the performance, or let's call it the lack of performance of uh, the the IDF uh, in Gaza, you know they're uh, they're they're not making progress despite what they say. The only the only progress that's being made is in depopulating the civilian areas with aerial bombardments from uh, primarily aircraft. Uh, just you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when three of the Israeli hostages broke free of their Hamas captors, took their shirts off, came out waving a white flag, and they got shot by two different Israeli soldiers. So this was this again. This illustrates a situation in which they're poorly, they're poorly led, poorly trained, and the rules of engagement are very questionable. This wasn't just one soldier making a bad mistake under pressure. This was two guys. So that that shows you you're dealing with something that's uh, systemic, uh, and they've. Uh, this is one of the reasons that Israel struggled in 2006 against Hamas when they invaded, when Israel invaded southern Lebanon, thinking that they would quickly oust and take care of uh, uh, of Hezbollah, and they ended up getting beat and, right, and two, having to pull out. Two, um, two questions that uh, come to mind. One is, you, you are being critical of the infantry, the, the people who are on the ground uh, with uh, weapons that they can carry. Hasn't Correct. most of the death and destruction been caused by the air force and by artillery and two isn't this death and destruction intended to kill civilians uh short answer yes and let's let's recall that on the on october 7th 
when when Hamas launched its massive attack, number again, this illustrates the Israeli army was caught completely unawares. They had intelligence warning them about this. They didn't take it seriously. And then the next thing you know, they're getting their bases overrun. The the, the Galani uh, Brigade, which is uh, you know one of the elite, very elite units, seventy two of their soldiers were killed by Hamas that day. So this was this was not uh, armed guys killing, murdering children and women and behead. This was a straight up fight against guys that had uniforms and guns ostensibly and didn't use them properly or, or you know responded poorly. And then also remember that the helicopter pilots were the ones who shot up all those cars that were fleeing the raid, that desert party. They admitted it afterwards. They were hitting and blowing up cars with with their rockets, and they didn't know who was in the car. They were just making the assumption that it was all Hamas, and there there were several Israeli survivors of that that testified, no, they were getting blown up by their own troops. So, you know, what we're talking about as far as uh, this military that it's really it's undisciplined that that's what comes across that it is undisciplined the rules of engagement uh, have them they're, they're doing terrible things right so does this how does this um bode for the military if they are forced into a guerrilla warfare in no, gaza yeah well it's not going to be just in gaza it's also the fighting's underway up north along the lebanon a Syrian border. So the Hezbollah has just been ratcheting up the pressure bit by bit. Uh, Israel is not in a position to fight a two-front war. They do not have the manpower. They don't have the logistics chain to sustain it. And it's, it, they're, they're going to get bled out. That, that, that's what this is. Uh, they, they militarily, they have better we- weapons, equipment uh, than Hamas by, you know, light years ahead but uh they're they're suffering significant casualties and they can't uh, you start off with the belief that you can kill your way out of the situation but they're finding they can't and the 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 more they get embroiled in trying to quell all the attacks in gaza that's going to be more costly for them in terms of losing personnel and they can't they can't afford that because it's not like they got a ready supply that they can go to and say, okay, well, we, we've lost uh, a thousand guys. Let's just get this other thousand in. Have they already exhausted their supply? Uh, I hate to use the word supply. We're talking about human beings Yeah. Uh, of, of reservists. In other words, did they call up all the <clears throat> reservists that they have or are trained for this kind of warfare? You're not going to put 70 year olds in guerrilla warfare. Well, l- let's, let's be clear. They're not, they, they were never prepared for this, never trained for this kind of warfare. Um, they have been, you know, largely functioning as police uh, against people who've been imprisoned. And, you know, some call Gaza the largest open-air concentration camp in, in the world. Uh, so, you know, learning to conduct urban combat operations, they're getting on-the-job training. And, you know, you see a lot of them... You know, there's the one picture of this one Israeli soldier lighting up a bong of all things in a window. And next thing you know, the, the Hamas puts an RPG through the window and kills him. So, you know, just having situational awareness of using cover in an appropriate manner so that you are hidden, uh, both cover and concealment, that you're hidden and with cover you're protected. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're learning as they go. 
they still have some reserves that can be thrown into it. But again, these are untrained reserves. They okay, don't come back, in. Back to back to guerrilla warfare. Who who do you give odds to on prevailing if it is reduced to guerrilla warfare, whether it's in Gaza or in the West Bank? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, I think Israel will ultimately prevail, but at a terrible cost. I mean, they will... They will have bled themselves out in that victory. Uh, and, you know, because uh, just as we saw, as the Germans did to the Jews in, in the Warsaw Ghetto, the, 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 the Jewish fighters back then held off the Nazis for a month, uh, but were finally overwhelmed. And they, you know, they only had very limited, you know, a couple of pistols and rifles. They didn't have any sophisticated weaponry at all. So... For, for a military unit like the Israelis, yeah, they're going to ultimately roll over and crush it, but at a terrible cost to themselves. They're losing, they're losing men they can't afford to lose because they are such a tiny country. It's only 6 Got million, it. 7 million. Got it. Got it. Here is um, Secretary Blinken right before Christmas saying that it's hard to believe what he said. A, Hamas is the problem. B, the Israelis are the victims, and C, this could be over tomorrow if Hamas laid down their arms. Cut number eight, Sonia. Israel has been very clear, uh, including as recently as today, uh, that it would welcome returning to uh, a pause in the further release of hostages. The problem was and ha has been and remains Hamas. Uh, they reneged on commitments that they made during the first uh, pause for, for hostage releases. Um, and the question is whether they are, in fact, willing to resume this, uh, this effort. We believe that, as we said from the outset, Israel has not only a right but an obligation to defend itself and to try to make sure that October 7th never happens again. Any other country in the world faced with what Israel uh, suffered on October 7th would do the same thing. What is striking to me is that even as, again, we hear uh, many countries urging the end to uh, this conflict, which we would all like to see, I hear virtually no one saying, demanding of Hamas that it stop hiding behind civilians, that it lay down its arms, that it surrender. This is over tomorrow if Hamas does that. This would have been over a month ago six weeks ago, if Hamas had done that. And how could it be, how can it be that there are no demands made of the aggressor and only demands 
made of the victim. This, to me, sounds like the United States government is endorsing state terrorism on the part of the government of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. Yeah, it's just it, it's a complete fantasy uh, about the nature of that situation. Uh, who was it that had military bases surrounding Gaza? Was it Hamas? No, it was Israel. Uh, and had active surveillance measures focused to contain those people inside a fence. That's Israel, not Hamas. Um, you, you know, perspective uh, depends on, you know, where you sit depends on what you see. So right. when, when we watched the movie, The Great Escape, where, you know, the uh, Rockford Files this guy is breaking out of a German prison camp, we're cheering the prisoners. Well, that's what happened on October 7th. The prisoners broke out of the camp and they broke out with two objectives in mind. One, to try to destroy the Israeli military units that were keeping them hemmed in to take cat hostages that they could use as bargaining chips because Israel had been locking up people over without due process, by the way, over many years. And, and it has thousands, tens of thousands of Palestinians uh, in prisons. So, you know, this is, it's not like Israel was sitting there minding its own business, you know, sitting at the beach, uh, under a beach uh, umbrella, reading a book, and some bully came up and just started beating them up. Uh, you know, great story to justify what's going on, but the facts are the facts. Right now, you've got over 20,000 Palestinian civilians dead, over 8,000 children murdered, over 50,000 wounded. Hamas didn't inflict anything approaching those kinds of casualties on Israel. You talk about disproportionate response. And you, by virtue of your judicial background, you understand that perfectly. It's just yes. like, you know, if someone spills hot coffee on you, that doesn't give you a right to shoot them. Correct. Correct. Now, I, I understand what you're saying. What I don't understand, and you're right on the mark on, in terms of international law, but there's no enforcement mechanism right. for international law, which requires proportionality, which is what you're, uh, you're uh, arguing. But what I don't understand is why the world doesn't seem to care. Yeah. Any other ethnic cleansing, the world would be in an uproar to the point where governments would be state actors and their militaries would be intervening. Not so here. I mean, well, the well, numbers you just uh, articulated, Larry, A, are universally accepted and B, are astounding. 20,000 killed, 14,000 of them civilians, 7,000 of them babies under the age of, of seven. Why yeah. does the world tolerate that? Well, and on top of it, look, Israel tells the Palestinians, hey, go flee south. Go to like Khan Yunus. Go down there. You'll be safe. And then Israel starts bombing and attacking that. It's like they, uh, you know, set an assault lick out for a deer to attract the deer so you can kill it. Uh, they, they, they gather them into one place and then Israel attacks. Uh, unfortunately, Judge, this, this is our history. You know, let's go back to when when the Germans were doing this to the Jews of Poland and Ukraine uh, in, in World War II, the world was largely silent, ignored it, did nothing. Uh, similarly, when the, uh, when the uh, Hutus uh, got after it in Rwanda and there was mass murder, silence. So it, uh, this, is, this is unfortunately just a historical reality for us. And 
Um, I, I, what I continue to fear is that at some point, uh, there's going to come a breaking point that will lead Israel into a position where it's going to be very, very vulnerable and that it's going to be uh, crushed militarily by some other country or state that, that, that reacts to what they see as this uh, horror. Switching uh, gears, uh, over the Christmas weekend, uh, General Zeluzhny, the uh, head of military operations for Ukraine, yeah. did something he's never done before. He held a press conference and publicly <clears throat> stated at the press conference he needs more human beings. And President Zelensky, instead of criticizing him, backed him up and said the, we not only need more human beings, the amount of human beings we need will cost $13 billion and we need that much in cash. I mean, are these guys <laughs> down to their last nickel? Yeah. Well, it gets even better after Zeluzhny said that. And then uh, they come out with this mobilization plan where they're going to mobilize, put into the military, disabled people, people uh. with amputations, people with even some mental uh, limitations. Uh, yeah, they're going to put them in. And then Zeluzhny goes, well, the, this uh, mobilization plan, that's not me. That That's Zelensky. That's so, yeah, they're. We're watching a desperate play uh, across the board. They they are trying to distract attention. They lost the key city of Marinka uh, the other day, and then and so what what did they do? They launched a cruise missile strike on a on a, a ship that was under repair in in a in dry dock uh, down in uh, the Crimea. And well, you know. Last time I checked, this is not a naval warfare that's going on in Ukraine. So losing that ship, it doesn't affect what's going on on the ground at all. But it, it provided a distraction that the rest of the world wasn't paying attention to the fact that Ukrainian troops were retreating from an area that they had held tenaciously for nine years. Uh, so the, Russia continues to move, grind forward. Uh, Ukraine is in a very desperate situation right now. Also over the Christmas uh, weekend, our friend Jack Devine uh, was quoted <laughs> yeah, all yes. over the place as making a prediction <laughs> that President Putin will soon be uh, out of office due to a coup. And he even said it could happen as soon as this weekend, meaning three right. days from now, meaning the New Year's weekend. Yeah. Uh, there was no uh, articulated evidence. This was just Jack's gut feeling. I'm sure that it was his 35 years experience in the CIA that even brought them to quote him. But how sound or unsound is an opinion like that? I think Jack was doing the eggnog with additional rum added that uh, led him to make such a foolish prediction. But, you know, he's uh, he is tied in very closely to the Ukrainians and has been for many years. So it's, it's no surprise that he's He's doing everything in his power to try to push the Ukrainian psyop that uh, Russia's losing, Ukraine's winning. Um, but there's not, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a single thing to point to, except uh, all of his past predictions have been wrong. Are your former bosses and colleagues in Langley, Virginia, of the view that uh, Putin is about to be overthrown by a coup, or is this just Jack as an outlier? I, I think it's Jack as an outlier. I mean, there is there is not a single piece of objective evidence to support that. In fact, uh, there was an article uh, that was put out by the New York Times claiming that 
Now, Putin, despite his public bravado and everything he's saying in public, that uh, uh, behind the scenes, he's, he's really wanting to negotiate because he's in trouble. Now, Alistair Crook and I were both present with a very uh, senior Russian official, uh, and uh, we agreed not to divulge who it was. But the, the notion, the idea that there are these secret talks going on where, Rus where the Russians are pleading for mercy is sheer, utter nonsense. Not happening. All right, my dear friend. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll try and get Jack on sometime uh, next week. He's off this week <laughs> to see if he can justify uh, what he said. Larry, always a pleasure. Uh, my Thank dear you. friend, I know it's a short week, but if we can uh, bring you back with uh, Ray for the um, Intelligence Roundtable, we will. If not, uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Happy Robert. to do so, and Happy New Year, Judge. Happy New Year uh, to you. Uh, coming up, uh, my dear friends, later today at 3 o'clock Eastern, Phil Giraldi on this very topic. How does the CIA decide what to leak to the press? And at 4 o'clock... Ray McGovern on, does Jack Devine know what he's talking about? We already know the answer to that, but Ray will explain it in his inimitable way. Thank you for watching. We'll see you later. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.